Crimson Trace offers a free batteries for life program that includes nearly all laser sights, electronic sights, and rifle scopes. Just register your product for a free set of batteries each year at crimsontrace.com. Hey y'all, it's Tom Gresham's Gun Talk. Look out, we smoking. Yes, as a matter of fact, we are. We're at the Gun Rights Policy Conference in Phoenix, Arizona, having a bunch of fun here. It's the 34th GRPC. Pretty much the leaders of the gun rights movement are here. Actually, think about this. It's actually the Second Amendment movement, if you will, because that doesn't always mean guns. What are you talking about, Tom? Second Amendment's about guns. Actually, no. Good friend of mine joins us right now. Doug Ritter from Knife Rights. How are you, sir? And why is the Second Amendment not just about guns? The Second Amendment doesn't say firearms. It doesn't. The Second Amendment says arms. arms. Knife Rights is the second front in the defense of our Second Amendment. And before there were firearms, knives were the first arms. Well, swords. after rocks and rocks sticks. And sticks and, and swords. And, yeah. <laughs> we, we figured out how to sharpen a stick and, you know. And, and I guarantee you there are people who, after they get rid of guns and knives, would be happy to get rid of sharp sticks and stones. So well, let's, I, I, let's not go there. Let's people, pop them in their... Well, that's an excellent point. Okay. And for those who don't know, I mean, you think everybody knows, there actually is a huge movement to make sure that you can't carry a knife, not just... I mean, we know about England, right? I mean, it's a mess there. You, I mean, you really can't have a pocket knife there, right? Can't carry um, one. Well, it's very limited. But okay. All right. The, and there, the are short those, story. there are those who have tried to do that here, who've been working on that. And how long has Knife Rights been around? About 10 years? Uh, we formed in 2006. We okay. got active in 2009. Right. Um, we got active at the state level doing legislation in 2010. So... It's, I'm sure it's one of those things that if you had known then what you know now, you probably would have said, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. That's just going to beat me up. It's going to be horribly hard, difficult. There's a certain amount of that. But by the same token, um, you know, people said we would never get rid of a switchblade ban when I started. You're a fool. You're crazy. It's a fool's errand. So, you're tilting at windmills. Right. And, and um, of course, a switchblade bans, basically, let's have a law based on a 1950s movie. There you go. I mean, I mean, that's what it was, right? Essentially. It's West Side Story. I mean, that's how we got switchblade Rebel without bans. a cause. Right. It, look, they put into law what they felt would address an issue that Hollywood made Created. up. Just totally made up. All right, so you decide, well, we're going to get rid of switchblade bans. First of all, you probably had a lot of people say, well, why bother? Why does anybody need a switchblade? So we hear the same things, don't it, we? It's, it's the same thing. This is America. America is not about need. It's about want. And rights. And rights. And rights. But, so why are knives important in the Second Amendment fight? They're important for two reasons. One is that... Um, it's important to recognize that it isn't about firearms. It is about arms, whether that arm is a sharp edge and a point, a blunt club, or whatever arm you are using to defend yourself, your family, and your country. Okay. The second reason it's important is because we need to get across the message that 
the Second Amendment is about freedom. Okay. And the freedom to do what you want as, as long, long as, as it has. as long as you don't hurt someone doing it. Yeah. So why would you be told to stop doing something that doesn't hurt yourself or anybody else? That's exactly it. And that's that's one of the reasons it's so important to fight against bans on on knives, bans on machetes, bans on spears, bans on clubs, bans on tomahawk. Because as long as I am carrying an inanimate object and not doing anything to harm somebody with it, why do we want to ban it? It is a sliding scale. If you can ban this, you can ban that. Exactly. And that's, that is how things have gotten in England. You know, mm -hmm. they started off banning guns, then they're going after knives, and, you know, it, it's I mean, a I mean, sliding continuum. For people to understand, to the point where they are regulating kitchen knives. We're not talking about just pocket knives with you carry. Yeah, you cannot, a, a, a retailer cannot sell a kitchen knife to a kid in England. Just, okay, that's crazy. All right, so you decided, you looked at something that was going on in New York where some 70,000 people have been arrested for carrying a common pocket knife because of the way the laws both were written and the way they were being enforced. Give me the cliff notes on that. So uh, New York City decided to interpret the state's ban on gravity knives to essentially include any knife you could, quote, wrist flick, end quote, open. And the fact of the matter is almost any folding knife can be wrist flicked open if you're... By somebody. By somebody. And that was part of the problem with what they did, is even if you couldn't wrist flick it open, even if your friends couldn't wrist flick it yeah, open. If the 250-pound bodybuilder cop who sits there and does it for three to five minutes and keeps working, 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 gets it to flick out one time, boom, handcuffs. you go to jail. Yeah. And, they, and they've been doing this for a decade. Okay. Um, 70,000 70, 70, people arrested and taken to jail. Now, many of those... Many. Some of those people had priors. Okay. Instead of being a potential year in jail, it was suddenly a felony. Oh. And people literally went to jail for five, six, seven years. For carrying a pocket knife. For carrying a pocket knife they used at work. Wow. And I'll, the reality is a lot of them were uh, people of color. Eighty-five percent. Really? People of color. Yeah, that is... There's nothing off kilter about that. Okay. All right. So you're pretty much insane. You say, well, yeah, we'll take that on. How hard can that be? Um, when, did, when did you start on that? So we started on that in 2010. Um, nine years ago. Nine years ago. We filed uh, our federal lawsuit in 2011. Mm -hmm. So nine years, eight years of federal litigation. Um Six years of legislative action. Hundreds I mean, of thousands of dollars spent. Um, lots and lots, lots and lots, lots of, of Benjamins. Money. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of people asking us why we bothered, because it's New York City. Maybe they got what they deserve. But the fact of the matter is you can't let a cancer grow, and cancers start in places like New York and California and so, elsewhere. So what was the outcome? We won. You can't it, win. It, you can't it, win in New York, don't you know this? Uh, so I was told. We won by forcing Governor Andrew Cuomo into a corner. He had the choice of our case being accepted by the Supreme Court and a ruling that would be a benefit 
even though it was not a Second Amendment case, would be a benefit to the Second Amendment community. He didn't want the precedent. He did not want that precedent. He did not want that done. And after two years of vetoes, he signed our bill. Vetoing a bill that was passed unanimously, and he vetoes it, and only when the Supreme Court, it looks like, okay, they're going to take this, and you're going to take it on the chin, basically doing what they just did with the New York case that now is before the Supreme Court. They're saying, well, we're going to violate your rights right up to the point where it looks like we're going to lose, and then we'll change the law. Exactly. And, and what's amazing, if you think about it, is when we went into this, mm -hmm. we just wanted to solve a problem in New York City. What we ended up doing is legalizing a gravity, gravity knife. knife. So it is now legal to carry a gravity knife. That's a cool gravity knife you got there, partner. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Before we go, we're going to have to hit the break, but before we do, I got to tell people I am holding in my hand yet another Doug Ritter knife. I've been carrying Doug Ritter branded knives for 10 years or more. Um, to me, it is one of the most useful blade designs, and you have basically redone it. The blade is still roughly the same. Exactly but, the same. But you way. have upgraded it. Tell, give people the 60-second version of this knife because they can't see it. So this, this is the Hogue version of my RSK Mark I, Generation 2. Okay. So this is the second generation. Uh, it's got G10 handles. It's got M390, excuse me, uh, CPM 20CV blade steel. Um, we, we, we fixed all the little things I would have liked to have fixed when Benchmade was making the right. knife, and now that Hogue is making it, um, we've got the what was the axis lock. We call it the Able Lock. Um, it's more refined. It's more smooth. Um, and where is it available? Knifeworks.com. Knifeworks.com. I will just tell people I have two of your knives, the larger and the smaller. And that's my everyday carry. I mean, at any given time, that's what you're going to find on me. And now I get to get the new and improved version. So there you go. And, cool. and, and honestly, it is the sales of these knives that allow me the time to do knife rights, the time and the money to do knife rights. All right, check it out, kniferights.org. Doug, you're crazy, all right? I mean, you are crazy, and I am glad that you are this crazy and that you will tilt at these windows because, unbelievably, you keep winning. So congratulations. 31 bills in 22 states in You've nine years. Yeah, you're getting rid of the bad laws, putting in the good laws. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, don't go far. We'll be right back at the Gun Rights Policy Conference. This is Jeff with Black Hills Ammunition. Our Honey Badger line now features a new 40 Smith & Wesson caliber loading. Gelatin testing shows that this round outperforms conventional hollow points, not only in terms of velocity, penetration, and weight retention, but it also provides superior temporary cavities. The profile and solid copper construction assure flawless feeding. This is the latest technology in handgun performance. Black Hills Ammunition, the power of performance. This is Ryan Gresham with Gun Talk. Visit guntalk.com slash win to enter our latest giveaway for a chance to win a Kimber in September. Our grand prize winner receives the Kimber Evo SP Custom Shop 9mm handgun, a collaborative design between engineers and gunsmiths with stainless steel slide, G10 grips, True Glow Tritium Pro Sights, and two seven-round magazines. Enter now through September 27th at guntalk.com slash win. Attacks happen every day. How will you react? 
See real people put into real-life criminal attack situations on First Person Defender. Discover what works and what doesn't. Kidnapping, ATM robbery, home invasion, and other attacks. Learn how to save your life and the lives of your family. Get the entire first season on DVD at ShopGunTalk.com. Get prepared. ShopGunTalk.com. For 25 years, Crimson Trace has led the industry in laser and light technology and customer service. Now, Crimson Trace is proud to offer electronic sights and rifle scopes for tactical, target, and hunting applications with the same Crimson Trace offer of free batteries for life on all products. The new rifle scope line is also backed by an unconditional lifetime warranty from the brand that you have trusted for over two decades. Find out more at CrimsonTrace.com. This is exciting. This is fun for me. Uh, the Gun Rights Policy Conference is an amazing place. You get introduced to new ideas. You get you have those intot moments. I call them the I N T O T. I never thought of that. Hmm. Well, joining me right now is uh, a fellow I've known for many years, never been on the radio with us before, uh, Andrew Gottlieb. Yeah, you know the name. Son of uh, Alan and Julianne, and made an incredible, interesting, fascinating presentation here. Uh, Andrew, um, well, first of all, welcome. This is great, man. I'm, I love having you here. Thank you. I'm super nervous to be on radio. Live. <laughs> this is new. We're just shooting the breeze like we always do. Yeah. You know? So, all right. So I've known you a long time. And then you come up here and you pop up and you make this presentation and you're turning heads everywhere. First of all, what is it and how did you get this idea? So two-way gaming, I just kind of got back into 2A gaming. Two-way gaming. So Second Amendment Second gaming. Second Amendment gaming. And the idea is I used to be a competitive gamer. I grew up in firearms. So played a game called Counter-Strike, which is every gun in it. I knew what it was, knew how it worked. I could take it apart. I okay. Just, I wanted to own some of them. All right. Some were military only, unfortunately. So right, right. wasn't allowed. Um, so I had a background in it and I went off to school and stopped playing games and just recently got back into it because streaming has become this huge It's really changed thing. things, hasn't it? It's huge. Okay. And, and you have, it's a gaming, video game industry is a $43 billion industry just in the United States alone. Wow. Okay. And most of the games, that over half of the games people play are shooter games, games that revolve around firearms. Right. And that's growing. As the younger generations get older, those are the games that are popular. Older people playing like solitaire and board games, you know. Right. But, but kids play shooters. Fortnite is Oh, huge. yeah, it's massive. It's every kid I know is playing Fortnite. Okay. Um, and so you have so many people playing these games, so many people watching streamers now, that I was like, why don't I do that? I have the background in gaming. Right. I met a lot of people, and I realized so many veterans are doing it. So many disabled veterans are streaming as careers now, and they're all programmed. And wow. you see some of the non-political streamers who are just huge. Okay. Posting on Twitter, shooting 50 cal rifles. And I was like, oh, interesting. Okay, there's maybe more gun people in this than I thought. And then I find out uh, one of the manufacturers of custom PCs that people order for gaming. Right. Really big into guns. Love shooting. Oh, really? And I was like, okay, this is a lot more friendly than I thought. Okay, so you're, you're, you're getting this idea, okay, this is different, this is interesting. What do we do with that? So it's, I talked to people and I said, well, do you pay attention to 
gun stuff. You go shooting, but do you know the laws? Do you know the battles that we face? Do you, do you ever deal with it? And I, I get some people who are like, yeah, it's really stupid that they're talking about banning ARs. And like I'm active duty military, we get a group of guys together, we actually build ARs and, and do milling and stuff. Okay. And I was like, that's great, but I don't really pay attention to what's going on. So I kind of, I get that, that we have- They're not really fights. into the political side of it, the activism no side of it at all. No okay. interest at all. Okay. So they're comfortable with guns. Right. They shoot guns, they use guns in games, even, even people who are quote unquote anti-gun because they really don't have an opinion on it yet, they're, but they're playing these games. Huh. So okay. you, you have this, this huge community and it's adult wise, if you, get, if you get into how many people that play these shooter games and, and are going to be voting that are going to decide your president, you know, they're going to decide your congr uh, congressional representatives. Right. 48 million people. What? So you're interacting with these people who are, who have experience with guns, fake. Right. Or real, but mainly fake. Those are our people. The, 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 they should their be experience with guns is through the games yes. they're playing. But for those, all right, for those of us who don't play the games, one thing I think people ought to understand is that they're very realistic and you can really learn a lot about and a lot of the gamers have almost an encyclopedic knowledge about firearms whether they're world war ii guns or whatever i mean they really know their guns it's right? fascinating it's it's and they may never have shot one it's crazy <laughs> and it's you have people who will know how a gun works and some of the games with with how good graphics have gotten and, and the programming, right. they literally show all the details of, of a firearm. Like, so you look at World War II games that they have, these guns, half of them don't exist anymore because they're like destroyed. You can't find one in working order, huh? but people know what they are. So is there a pathway to get these tens of millions of people who are doing gaming and bring them into the Second Amendment, at least awareness first. You gotta have the awareness before you can get them to do anything else. So, and that, that was kind of my thought. So that's where I was. I was like, how do I actually reach these people? Because obviously there's some connection there. Right. And so I started working on this project and El Paso happened. Okay. And you had politicians say, hey, video games are to blame for this. Right. And I was like, hey, I've been there. As a gun owner, we always get blamed for things. Mm -hmm. As a law-abiding gun owner, I'm not going out and doing that one then, person. Okay, I see where you're going. Because, and as a video guy, you're saying we're not doing that. No, it's it, not. It's not my community. It's not the gaming community. I, like, three or four weeks before this happened, you had one of the biggest streamers raise three million dollars for St. Jude's. Wow. These are not bad people. Okay. And they get blamed, and their reaction, and it's like us. You know, when we get blamed, you, we want to point to what is actually wrong. Okay. And whether we know what it is or not, we just kind of want to shift it to something else. Sure. You so, say, it's not me. Go look somewhere else. Yeah. And so a lot of them were like, it's not video games. It's guns. And that's where I just, uh, my heart sank. And I was like, now I take 10 steps back. Because right. now people we had common ground with. So the gun people are saying it's the video games. Video guys, streamers are saying it's the guns. So where do we go? What are you going to do with this? It's a tough one because it's, I have had... I've been doing test streams and, and very small, trying to randomly pair with people and, and talk to them about it. And I have not had a single negative comment. Everyone's like, wow, that's really interesting. And I do like guns mm -hmm. and I do care. So if you need help, like, let me know what I can do to help. How can I help share this? How let's grow this. And so it's really just gonna be talking about current events. It's I'll be up there streaming, people watching the stream. Right. And hey, let's talk about what's going on in your state. Let's talk about what's going on nationally. 
are you voting? Are you registered to vote? Do you tell other people you go shooting with doing this? And so, like, we have these great programs as an industry. I mean, and you would know with NSSF. Right. First-time shooter program is amazing. Right. And that's like the video game thing. Take somebody shooting. Sure. You have somebody you play games with, take them shooting. Interesting. All right. So if somebody is into streaming, into gaming right now, uh, how could they get involved? How can they you know, basically understand what you're doing or follow you or, or, or be a piece of this? So, so people are already streaming. So I'm actually working on setting up like charity streams for SAF and so they can support what we're doing to help. But also, I just would love to see people talk about it. You're, you are using these guns in a game and nothing bad is happening. Right. Just like we go to the range and nothing bad is happening. You have the experience. You use it. Spread awareness. And if we can just win people over, with, with the gaming, you have people who experience firearms but have no knowledge, per se, mm -hmm. of what's going on in the real world. Right. And it's so easy to, to sway somebody. And we can, have, we can catch people before we lose the culture war, per se. Say that again, because I think you just touched on yeah. it. It is a culture war. And you can catch them because this is a younger demographic. Yep. You can catch them there and make them aware of just as you feel it is unfair and incorrect for your know, gamers to be blamed for violence. So do gun owners feel the same way. Yeah, exactly. And so it's we get to catch them before they're alienated and turn on us. And Very good. I don't blame them for turning on us because I get it. It You don't want to be blamed for something, especially horrible acts like this that are very emotional. If people want to keep up on this, uh, is there a way that they can follow you or go on SAF, uh, Second Amendment Foundation or anything? So it's actually going to be through Facebook Gaming. So it's going to be 2AF Gaming on 2AF Facebook. 2AF Gaming. Yep. All right. And on Twitter, same thing. Very good. Andrew Gottlieb, thank you. Your first time on Gun Talk Radio. Um, like I say, we've known each other for a long, long time. You did great. There was no reason to be nervous. We're going to have you back on, okay? Thank you very much. All right, we will do this. All right, don't go far. We'll be uh, back at the Gun Rights Policy Conference in Phoenix, Arizona. We're having a bunch of fun over here. You, you, you need to be here. You just need to plan for next year. It's going to be in Orlando, 2020, election year. It's going to be fun. It's going to be hot. And we'll be right back. A girl can't go wrong with something in basic black, like an AR-15. Some things never go out of style, like Tom Gresham's Gun Talk. All right, more from the Gun Rights Policy Conference. I'm joined by my very good personal friend, shooting partner, buddy, Dan Zelenka. He is the president of the Louisiana Shooting Association. And Dan, I drug, drug you out here to Phoenix. You did. I did. Because uh, I kept bugging him, saying, you need to come out, you need to come out, you need to come out. And finally, he's just like, okay, I'll if I come out, will you shut up? Pretty much. Pretty much. I'll be honest with you. This was the best thing that I could have done. Yeah? I mean, I, Why? Well, as you know, I'm pretty involved in legislative gun rights stuff. and Yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> to get to meet such a variety of people that are all focused on the same goal, okay, which is preservation of, uh, of the right to keep and bear arms and basically preservation of freedom in the United States. Right. And the networking uh, opportunities, the getting to talk, and of course I'm a lawyer, getting to talk with the lawyers who are on the cutting edge the, of... The rock stars. 
I mean, yes. how good are these guys? Uh, they're fantastic. And what they're doing in the courts is awesome. Um, but, you know, just getting a, what I was talk, telling you while we were on break was the last panel was minority. Uh, doing you know, outreach. Doing outreach to, to minorities. And, and by minorities, we're talking about not just African-Americans, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Latinos, um, the LGBT right. community. And... It's and they're amazing. all represented on the panel, which is oh yeah. I mean, and they're all everybody's they're, here. They're all well spoken, you know, yeah. and they're and, smart. They're activists. They understand how to get things done, and all of us learn from each other in this deal. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, the bottom line is, they're my people. You know, the, what do you mean by that? Gun people. They're gun people. They're gun people. They're gun rights people. Yeah. You know, we do the same things. We believe the same things. Maybe not on everything. I right. mean, um, yesterday there was a lady that was talking who uh, is the head of the liberal gun club. All right. Okay. We're going to disagree with her on a lot of stuff. No doubt about it. But when it comes to guns, exactly, we're together. Exactly. Yeah. So I actually used the opportunity for outreach to find people local to us, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so you can get into different communities. Exactly. So that we can expand uh the Louisiana Shooting Association, which is the NRA and CMP affiliate for the state, and we are at the forefront of, of gun rights in Louisiana, but we represent mostly former competitive shooters, ah. which is, you know, one demographic of shooting. The shooting right. is, is, is broad. It sure. goes across all demographics. Shooting and gun ownership is really broad. Yes. You know, it gets into every segment and every part of town. And there, honestly, there are just simply some parts that we're not particularly effective at reaching into. And we need, we need the help of the folks here. Uh, Kevin Dixon, I think. Uh -huh. Okay. I was just talking to him outside. And we were talking about it. And... and um, uh, he's African-American, and what he right. told me was... Go ahead, keep talking. You're sitting right here, Ken. What he told me was, you can't have that conversation. And, and, and my response was, well, find me someone in Louisiana that can can have it. You right, know? okay. So, uh, the, like I said, the networking abil uh, possibilities here were, were endless. Right. Yeah, flip that thing around there, Ken. We're, we're actually going to uh, call an audible in the middle of this. We've got Ken Blanchard just... <laughs> Dropped in. You're scheduled next, but because of what we're talking about here, this is my friend Dan Zelenka. Ken, you guys meet each other. Uh, Ken Blanchard, also known as Black Man with a Gun. And Dan was just talking about this last panel and how incredible it was. So uh, the idea that reaching out, reaching into different areas, we're all gun owners, but simply there, to your point, you're saying there are areas that you can't get into. Well, it, that I can't get into and, and things that I can't, uh, messages I can't deliver. I mean, let's face it, I'm an old white guy, right? Uh, and, there is that. And you know. what I asked for was assistance in meeting people who could then reach out. Right. Okay? And so I think that the opportunities to do that here were were. Like I said, endless. I mean, it was wonderful. This is your first time at GRPC. If you're talking to somebody who's out there listening, they're thinking, yeah, I've heard about it. I don't know. There will be a larger Louisiana contingent next year. That's okay. stuff right there. That, that's, that's what it's about. Now, you've been coming a number of years. To My GRPC. first one was in 1994. Wow. Um, I had just begun as an activist. And 
my friend says, you got to go to this gun rights policy thing. And I was like, man, it's in San Francisco. There's no way I'm... What am I going to do? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's out my league. He goes, no, but you got to go. And it changed my world because I got the chance to introduce... I was introduced to so many different people. Um, at the time, I was... I wasn't the lone minority in the room, but it was pretty close. Yeah. And, and, then over, and over time, um, I've been the change that I wanted to see. I made sure that my messages went out. And now coming back here after all this time... All these young guys have said, um, you're like the original gangster. Like, you, we, we've been following you forever, yeah. and um, you, you don't want to spur us to do this stuff. And it's, it was humbling um, because I've been the adjunct uh, diversity king. Um, I've gone. No, no, no. You were our black guy. Come on. I mean, I mean, no, no. I mean, originally, I mean, it was, it was like Ken. It was just you, you've been. Here, was it. You, you were the guy. I mean, his background in law enforcement, all which a lot of people don't know about all that. You know, they, they might know some of the things I know, where you've been, what you've done. But I mean, you were here, and it was. It had to be lonely at, at first. But, but still, the, the crowd was so welcoming that I had no problem reflecting that. That's an interesting point. And I've heard people say that over and over. They said, look, well, uh, Chris Chang. Yes. He, he says, you know, he says, look, I'm a gay guy. He said, and I was told, well, I don't know about those gun people. I don't know if you really want to go home and be with those gun people. He says, never been with a more welcome, open group. Basically, it's, are you into guns? Do you support gun rights? We're in. It's all good. Yep. Right? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It, it only happened in this community. Really? I've been in a, a lot of different groups. I mean, okay. you, can, you can be in the Fraternal Oral Police. You can be in the badminton league, you can be a bowler, and folks will separate themselves. But in the gun community, as long as you shoot, don't care what you look like. Absolutely. So, so, so it changed my whole world. So now I say stuff like, um, if you will give me a gun, your family. Huh. You go. That changed everything for me. All right, guys, hold on. Dan, you're not going to get away. See, I'm going to put you to work here. We got, we're talking with Ken Blanchard. We're talking with Dan Zelenka, two of my... Longtime friends, which is a really an interesting thing as I'm thinking about it here. We're at the Gun Rights Policy Conference. We'll be right back. When the U.S. military's elite units and law enforcement agencies across the globe demanded innovation and reliability, they didn't settle. They chose Sig Sauer. When world champion professional shooters demanded precision accuracy, they didn't settle. They chose Sig Sauer. So it's no surprise more and more civilian gun owners are refusing to settle for anything less. They're choosing Sig Sauer firearms, ammunition, electro-optics, suppressors, air guns, and training. Sig Sauer. Never settle. This land, once wild and free, fades now from our memory. But I remember what it was like, what we were like, what we are capable of when we band together. Perhaps more than any other landscape, wetlands embody the life-giving abundance that nature has to offer. And perhaps more than any other organization, Ducks Unlimited is working to ensure that our continent's wetlands not only survive, but thrive for generations well beyond this one. These natural wonders are where waterfowl begin their cycle of life, where the deer and the antelope play, and where we, the people, gather together to see and share what makes the outdoors so great. The time is now to band together with organizations like Ducks Unlimited. The time is now to rescue our wetlands. The next big thing for the AR-15 has arrived. The Brownells BRN 180 Upper. 
a modernized version of the Armalite AR-180, featuring a 16-inch barrel, a 223 wild chamber, and a full-length pick rail. The BRN-180 skips the buffer system to allow complete function of the firearm with the stock folded or extended. Best of all, the Brownells BRN-180 mounts to any mil-spec AR lower. Visit brownells.com today. Back with you at the Gun Rights Policy Conference, GRPC 2019, Phoenix, Arizona, visiting with a couple of my good friends here, Dan Zelenka and Ken Blanchard, also known as Black Man with a Gun. When you came out with that many, many years ago, people go, whoa, what is that? Why'd you do that? It was a good name for a porn star. <laughs> and I kind of like overshot myself on that one. But the, uh, it got attention, and then once folks would talk to me, they were like, but you're not a shock guy at all. It's like, no, actually you're talking to a preacher and uh, somebody who wants to be responsible. Yeah, you got the combination of law enforcement and preacher background. You go, you're not what I thought you were going to be, right? Exactly. It's like I'm too calm for you. <laughs> and it, during the break, you guys are talking about the value of being here. And it's really interesting. It's like what you saw, whatever it was, 20 years ago, mm. and what Dan has discovered this weekend right here is that it's inclusive. But what was it you said? You said, you know, I need to be here. Oh, absolutely. I needed to be here years ago because I have literally been active in legislation and, and, and working on gun rights stuff since New Orleans sued the... The uh, cities. Manufacturers. Oh, yeah. So when yes. it, it was the first city to do the manufacturer lawsuit. Right. And I worked with Steve Scalise to write one of the first um, Lawful Commerce and Arms Acts in the in the U.S. Uh-huh. So I've been at this for a long time. Right. And I needed to be here. And Could I could have benefited from this. You think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Ken, you've been coming forever. What do you tell people about this? How, how do you explain this this thing? This is different than SHOT Show. It's different than the National Rifle Association's annual meeting. This is a chance for you to get really, really close to people, to, um, to have a family reunion, to, to find out who's new, um, what works. Um, it gives you a chance to get some free information. If you're a new activist, a new person in this, in this space, if you're a blogger or a podcaster now, a new media guy, you could, you're going to get a bunch of books that you can start your library with for free. I mean, they, they give you a stack of books, you know, it's like a foot and a half high, and it's all free. It's that, crazy. That, that just launches your whole platform right there. And then all those, all those authors, most of them are here. Right, right. So, so you can, like, actually see people. And then that just changes your whole dynamic when it's not some faraway person anymore. There's well, an activist that's, that changed something right here. You know, you've got Facebook out there, and <laughs> you... Because you kind of network through Facebook and you kind of get on sites here and mm-hmm. there and, you know, the Pink Pistols and Maj Therese site right. and all those people are here. Yeah, they're all here. You get to go walk up and talk to them. And you know what? You've got a lot in common with them. People get to walk up and talk to Ken Blanchard and go, man, there you I, go. I've, I've been looking at your stuff for years, man. That messed me up. I, that happened like quite a few times this time. Yeah, well, you know, you, you've become the standard. You've become the guy that people look up to. Because there are people here because they've heard you talk about it. They've been following you for all this, this period of time. Tell people what you're doing now. Right now, I'm still, still called the Black Man with a Gun. Still have a podcast that's been going for 12 years. I've launched a ministry because of the podcast. Because I talk to veterans and cops and bikers, all the people just like me, um, it has spawned 
almost a side ministry where I have dealt successfully with folks who are trying to go into suicide and actually had a chance to, to reach out to people, um, police officers that were, didn't have anybody else to talk to, but they heard my voice, the trusted voice, and they became, all right, I know you're a gun guy, but you're also a preacher. Can I tell you about my family? Absolutely. And now it's become a side passion, and it's, I'm almost like the unofficial chaplain of the gun rights yeah. movement, um, and I like it. That's not, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah, I'm the Friar Tuck of our band of uh, <laughs> refugees, man. It's a good thing. Awesome. <laughs> It's interesting you mentioned the the suicide. I mean, it's a, it's a major deal. We know that two-thirds of gun deaths are suicides. And frankly, I see on a lot of fronts people in the gun movement taking ownership of, okay, we are in the prime position to help with that, working with suicide prevention groups, whether it's local, state, national, whether it's Second Foundation's doing that, NSSF is doing yes. that, different, the Walk the Talk America, Mike yes. Sedini is out here doing yes. that right now. Right. Um What's the value that you see, because you talk to a lot of people, uh, of letting people know they can come talk? I mean, that's really a lot of it, isn't it? It is, and the networking, the, the, the first three letters of that is the net. The actual pieces of that string are in this room. So I got a chance to talk to the Walk the Talk guy. I got a chance to talk to folks who are actually in the trenches doing the work that I wasn't so sure of. And when you have somebody who says, well, I've never really talked to somebody from the LGBTQ group I'm not that comfortable. Well, guess what? There's somebody here who's strong enough to introduce you to him. And there's, I never talked to a black guy in the inner city. He's probably walking the hall in here right now. So yeah, I guarantee that, that person, that person's going to tell you, talk to me straight. And before you know it, you're in it. You're so close. At first, you're like, I don't know. Now it's like, okay, now what do you want? What are we going to do next? Well, the other thing is, everybody here, by being here, has volunteered to help yes. everybody else who's yes. here. Yes. And you I get that, that everybody you walk up to. Yes. You know, you could literally walk up to anybody here and say, look, I don't know who you are, but I think maybe you could help me. Boom. We're in the conversation, right? Absolutely. So it's not just the presentations that are going yes. on. Yes. It's this community thing. And I, I know people are listening. They're going, oh, man. Come by. You guys. Yeah, yeah, really? It's it's different. It, it, it really is. And it, it's you talk about networking and how interconnected, right? And so I go introduce myself to Chris Chang, mm -hmm. right? And what I'm talking to him about is how do I get outreach in Louisiana mm -hmm. to get into the, the gay community, you know, to right. meet some people who are active there right? so that we can kind of pool our resources. Okay. And he tells me, Oh, you need to go talk to Tom Gresham because <laughs> he lives in Louisiana. <laughs> Small world. It is. You know, I, was not that I, I know Chris, you know, and he, I know you. He said, well, you yeah. And you say, oh, yeah, well, by the way, yeah, I'm his lawyer, too, you know, and, and, and shooting buddy. He goes, oh, yeah, we got this covered, right? Yeah. Hold on, guys. We'll take a quick break here. We're having some fun. We're not even talking about guns when we come back because we, you know, above everything else, we do like to shoot guns, That's too, right? right? Absolutely. So we'll do that. that. All right. 866-TALK-GUN. I'm Tom Gresham. We'll be right back from the Gun Rights Policy Conference in Phoenix. If only, man, I'm telling you, if only you could hear these conversations that take place during the break. We've got uh, Ken Campbell, Dan Zelenka, uh, a couple of buddies of mine here. We're at the Gun Rights Policy Conference talking about guns. And you said you're basically, the shooting you're doing these days, Ken, is for your qualification for your law enforcement mm -hmm. stuff. Still, still doing that. I'm um, working on changing jobs yet again. 
Um, I got like that joke from the old days of I got how many jobs do you have? You only have one, lazy somebody. Uh, I'm, I'm always working. Um, so I'm I'm still working now, but I'm still doing law enforcement, still protecting. Yeah, we got to get you out of Maryland, though. I'm just saying. I want to so bad. <laughs> and, Dan, I know you're shooting. You shoot I, all the time. I do. Yeah. I do. I don't shoot competitively anymore, but. Uh, yeah, you used to do Camp Perry stuff and all yeah, that. Yeah. That, uh, one of my big teases is how much. Uh, What's the most expensive thing when, it, when you shoot competitively? And mm -hmm. people think guns and ammo and all that. Ah, gasoline. Travel. Oh, yeah. Travel. Travel. <laughs> Going to matches. Because it's not just one or two matches a year. You can't get to the big matches if you're not shooting all the other matches ah, to get there. Pretty much. Or at least you, you can go shoot them. Oh, yeah. You're not going <laughs> to finish well. You're going you're to be there, but you're actually not going to show up. Exactly. <laughs> it's just the other deal. And then I remember you telling me, this, when you get some of these guys that come in, pick like you got the young guys from AMU, it's like, holy cow, some of these guys are unbelievable. Yeah. I, 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 and I was actually pretty successful. Yeah, and, you were good. And I would refer to myself as a hack, because when you have folks like Brandon Green, who's a, a buddy of mine that shoots for AMU, it, I mean... Yeah, they're just awesome. They're yeah. unbelievable. What they can do with a, a rifle is beyond belief. One of the things that you have always done is you have done a lot of uh, bringing youngsters into the shooting sports. You taught a lot of people to shoot. Well, I think one of them even went to the Olympics. In 2016, one of my former junior rifle shooters shot 50-meter small bore prone in the Olympics. All right. Give me the one-minute version of that great story of the professor you were talking to who didn't believe that uh, competitive shooters would use an AR-15. I was I was at a a uh, kind of a conference the weekend that they had the big march in D.C. Right. It was put on by Time Magazine and some papers, and this fellow from Syracuse, New York, who uh, was a uh, well, he grew up with the guy, the the son of the person who started Handgun Control Inc. Okay, okay so so he was he's hardcore. He was vested. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so we're talking in a in a group setting, and I'm talking about training juniors and you know shooting competitively and all of that. And he was all for it. He thought that was a great idea. Okay. So that evening, when we're getting ready to eat dinner, I kind of walked up to him and I said, "So when I tell you that you know I'm training juniors and they shoot competitively at national levels and all this, what do you picture?" their firearms to be. And he said, well, you know, kind of those 22s like they shoot biathlon with. And I said, okay. I opened my iPad because I had a set of pictures already on it. Right. And I started clicking through. They're shooting and high power with ARs. They're shooting AR-15s and shooting high power. Kids, in, in the youngsters. Right. Well, teenagers. Teenagers, yeah. And the, the last picture, well, the second to last picture is, is David Higgins at, at Camp Perry, and the last picture is him at the Olympics. Right. Nice. And he said, I wouldn't have believed it if I, if I hadn't seen it. That is exact, his exact words. There you go. Misconceptions. How can people follow what you're doing, Ken Blanchard? You can find me on blackmanwithagun.com and on all podcast aggregators of the Black Man with a Gun Show. Check it out. I mean, the guy is, he's solid. He's been there. You're doing it. You're combining the, the shooting, the law enforcement, and the ministry. It's a wonderful thing you're doing. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for the Good to see you. Likewise. Dan, we're going to get you on to the uh, after show, okay? Okay. All right. Might as well. We'll throw him into the uh, briar patch there. All right. Thank you. 
All right, don't go anywhere. We're at the uh, Gun Rights Policy Conference in Phoenix, Arizona. We're having so much fun. If you want to see what we're doing here, actually, go to uh, the Facebook page for the Second Amendment Foundation. They are streaming the video. They're going to put everything up there that's been happening here. Your chance. It's almost like you're here. Hey, we'll be right back.